0: Hey guys, Jack here. Thank you so much for tuning in. A quick reminder, we have events on both coasts this December. Uh, the second week in December, check us out in New York City. Uh, and the following weekend, check us out at the Bike Casino in Los Angeles. Uh, to learn more about those events, you can use the links in the show notes or just head to our website, justhandspoker.com uh, and follow the links there. Also, uh, there's one... Pot size error in this hand Uh, At the river, Zach says that the pot is 800 Uh, Just keep in mind the pot is actually more like 600 And so everything we say is a little off Just because of the pot size But uh, the discussion is still really excellent Uh, And just keep that in mind Alright, thanks guys And enjoy this week's episode Hello Zach
1: Hey Jack
0: How you doing?
1: Doing alright Back in uh, the place where the podcast all started
0: Yeah cleveland ohio uh yep. i hope you're enjoying it i am speaking of which uh cleveland the best game in town is of course potlum and omaha and i hear you have a hand for a hand for me from us a recent session just real quick uh we did our first plo hand maybe a month and a half ago and we asked you guys for some feedback it was overwhelmingly positive uh but you know Obviously, the, the vast majority of you did not give any input. And so if you're listening to this saying, man, I really wish they weren't doing any Omaha, uh, speak now or forever hold your peace. Send us an email at jack at justhandspoker.com uh, to send your input. Uh, but yeah, for, for today, at the very least, we're going to plow ahead in the great game of Palma at Omaha. So Zach, why don't you set up the scene?
1: Yeah, so it's Saturday night, about 9.30 p.m., and I'm sitting in the must-move for a two-table, you know, just the must-move and then the main game of a very juicy PLO game. There is a bunch of very loose play, and then there's this one reg who I used to play with a little bit uh, at, in No Limit when I was mainly playing like 1-2 and 1-3, and I think I probably played with him like once at 2-5, and I just always remembered he was a fairly kind of like straightforward, you know, kind of like, Winning player that played often, but not enough where it's like he's clearly a professional, but he definitely beats whatever game he's playing in and kind of plays to win. And always looks a little bored, uninterested, and us on his phone.
0: <laughs> and when you say he plays often, you mean like he comes to the casino regularly?
1: Yeah, yeah, but he's not there like so much that like right. it's clear that like he's a professional poker player as his sole or main thing. Cool. Yeah. So, the hand starts with uh, it's a seven-handed table, and I'm sitting in the hijack. And this is a one-two-five game, so one and two-dollar blinds, but a five-dollar bring-in. So it's it's really kind of more like a two-five game. Um, and being PLO, it kind of plays you know closer to like a five-ten no-limit game, even though it's just a one-two game. That's kind of the deceptive thing about PLO for any of you listening. It's definitely a fun game to play. And there's some pretty big edges to have, to be had in a lot of these soft games, but you know definitely know that uh, the variance is huge and the swings can be big.
0: <laughs> yeah, if you're so if you're rolled to play one two no limit, you're probably or if you're just rolled to play one two no limit, then you're almost certainly not rolled to play one two plo and certainly not one two five plo.
1: Yeah, honestly, if you're rolled to play two five no limit. You're likely not rolled to play one two PLO in my opinion. If you're if you know if you if you're a professional or if like you're you know have a bankroll that's just for poker where you want your risk of ruin to be pretty small. Right. So two players limp. I'm in the hijack, and I have the ace queen four five uh, double suited one to the ace one to the five, and this is a pretty clear over limp. So in PLO I'm probably playing in a game like this where I'd say the average player is probably v-pipping, like around like 60-ish percent of hands. You know, some people are closer to 80, some people are closer to 30. Very few people approach like the 20s, <laughs> even when it's nine-handed. Uh, so when it's seven-handed, I'm really going to be wanting to get it, getting, getting in there with a lot of hands that can make nutted hands. Uh, the effective stack in this hand is me uh, with about 650 behind. It's a you could buy in for between two and 700 and uh, both the other players cover. So I limp, and then mm-hmm. it's... Where Let you me going? stop you for a second. Yeah.
0: Uh, so just for for the listeners, one, say what you have again, and also, since people are limping so wide and you're limping a hand that's pretty far ahead of uh, most of their ranges, why not go ahead and raise here?
1: Yeah, so the the problem with raising just generally in PLO, not specifically with this hand, is that, you know, when you get 3-bet in a game like this, it's almost always, you know, aces or a hand with, you know, a very, very good hand, like kind of double-suited Broadway-type hands. Uh, and you're almost always going to have the odds to call that 3-bet, even if they pot it. So you're you're to want to keep the pot small, keep the SPR small, with a hand that could make nutted hands against, you know, players that are going to, Get second nuts, third nuts, fourth nuts, or decent draws, and get it in with those hands. But even more generally, like there's sometimes cases where you have very good hands where it makes sense to over limp. Like if I had ace ace six eight with no suit in this spot, I would always over limp behind. I would not raise because it's just a hand that benefits from being in the pot with more players. Uh, in PLO, it's really difficult to actually isolate, uh, especially in a loose game like this. Very few pots go anything less than three ways, uh, even in a raised or three-bet pot. So you're you're very unlikely to isolate with with hands that play much better in heads-up pots. And there's a lot of hands like, you know, high pairs or suited aces with nothing else going on that would much rather be in an eight-way pot and, you know, flop top set or flop the nut flush draw um, versus kind of being heads-up and miss most of the time and then have to, you know, fold or you know, bet with some equity and get raised and fold and yeah, in this in this type of game in this lineup, I'm gonna be playing generally pretty straightforward, just trying to see a lot of a lot of hands, but not too many hands, with cards that can flop nutted hands or nutted draws, and then, you know, get it in against players who are playing hands that I dominate.
0: Yeah, so let me recap a little bit of what you said. So I think the reason not to raise is mostly one of reducing variance since basically our edge in this game comes from playing the right types of hands pre-flop knowing the values of our made hands and draws post-flop and not making mistakes when the SPR is very large Uh, and I think by limping behind with most of our hands we give ourselves more of an opportunity to do just that Uh, whereas one raising generally in like a no limit game, a big reason to do that is to narrow the field and give yourself more of a chance to win the pop by bluffing. Uh, since most of your hands, the only way they're going to be able to win is by bluffing. Where in PLO, you're not going to generally have that fold equity by just putting in one raised preflop. No one's going to fold is the point. And so I think by keeping the stacks deep and playing hands that give us a chance to put money in good when all the rest of the money goes in that one lowers our variance and two it gives us a chance to realize or to use our edge in these games so i think it's probably plus ev to raise a hand like this but it's not a very big difference in terms of you know whether it it might be slightly more plus ev to raise than to call but you're increasing the variance a lot and i don't think it's worth in these games
1: that is true. I think with this exact hand, it's probably more plus EV to call, just because specifically there's kind of two guys behind that you know are going to limp the majority of their range, but be a m- much tighter in terms of calling a raise. Um, but like if I had Ace Queen Ten Four, even just suited to the Ace, I would raise that hand. You know, but I That's think it's probably a little more plus EV just to call. Uh, but yeah, to Jack's point, when it is close between raising and calling. Uh, my default is to call call more when playing in a casino game like this.
0: That's a good point. That by limping, you're almost certainly bringing in two players uh, with hands that you're going to be dominating more often than they're going to be dominating you. Yeah. Exactly. And why don't you say what you have one more time?
1: So I have the Ace Queen Four Five, Ace of Queen of Spades. So one one suited Ace to Spades, and then Four Five of Hearts.
0: Okay. All right.
1: So uh, so there's a limp, another limp, I limp, and actually the two players behind me fold, which is pretty surprising. And then the reg in the small blind makes it 30. He pots it. And then the kind of what was probably the biggest spot in the game, he looked pretty confused and was doing some pretty crazy stuff in like my first, you know, I was only there for maybe 30, 40 minutes. But yeah, he was kind of getting involved post-flop, calling a lot of flops, uh, and definitely was probably the biggest spot in the game. He calls, guy between us folds, and I make the call in position. So we see a flop three ways with about a hundred dollars in the in in the pot. And I, you know, about six twenty behind effective. And the flop is the jack six three with two diamonds and a heart. So I'm holding ace queen four five with two hearts. So I have a bad backdoor flush draw and an open ender. The regular quickly checks. The action player checks pretty quickly, and it's to me. So just a quick note about what I, how I'm interpreting uh, the checks and the speed. I think when the action player has something, he's gonna stare at the board more, at least this is what I've observed. He's gonna maybe take his time before checking and look at me more. He looked just a little more disinterested in the hand. And I think we could just kind of discount kind of as a stronger hand in his range, not eliminate, but discount. And I think when the reg checks very quickly, I think he very often has a hand that he's intending on check calling for at least one street, uh, but doesn't want to like, but has equity and doesn't want to bet and get raised.
0: Yeah. I think we have a pretty clear bet here. One, I'll say, I think that the reg is not super likely to have diamonds, especially not nut diamonds. I think a lot of times this is a whiff from that player or an overpair. I think an overpair is likely to check call, which is fine. Because uh, I think we'll be able to get them off, you know, on a lot of turn cards, and also yeah. I think we're almost never getting check raised by that player. Uh, yes, I don't think many players have a check raising range, or you know, our check raising that much here as the pre flop raiser. And I'm also, yeah, I think your read of disinterest from the action player is wise. Uh, although I, I would say some action players just act quickly. Always, but it sounds, yeah, it sounds like not, this was that not player. This guy.
1: Yeah, no, because there, there are other hands where he'd like look and then take a minute and check and call, or you know, other hands where like he would just like kind of pot it with any piece of it, like you know, not checking the free flop razor or anything. The, that guy's range is super, super wide. And but the, the reg's range, I, I think it, yeah, it's very likely he has nut diamonds. I definitely think he has some diamonds. I think he has a lot of over pairs here, but maybe not a ton. Like, I think, I think aces or kings or queens... Again, maybe I'm just kind of imparting my thinking too much in, into this, but maybe he's maybe that would be better played as, like, a, a bet one street type deal versus uh, check calling, especially with, like, an action player behind. Uh, so I think he's also going to have a lot of broadways that he raised where he has, like, you know, ace-king-jack, king-queen-jack. Is check calling that because that has... That's a much better hand to check call because it can improve the two pair versus an overpair that will likely stay one pair on future streets. So maybe something like overpair and a backdoor flush draw, overpair and not good diamonds, but we're basically in agreement about his range. Yeah. So it's check to me, 100 in the pot. I bet 85. You know, I basically want to be in, in PLO, it's pretty rare on like the flop or turn. To for me to use a bet sizing that's like kind of smaller than two thirds pot, just because the equities run a lot closer, and a lot of you know a lot of where my edge or where an edge is had in these lower stakes PLO games is in getting dominated hands and like second nut hands to put a lot of money in when they're drawing dead or near dead, or it's to get people to overfold too much equity. So as a result, you want to be using larger bet sizings, and basically I picked 85 because I'm. I'm rarely potting it in this spot and I think 85 like I just don't think there's a ton of value in 100 in that if someone is calling 85 they're going to call 100 Um, and while I have definitely a good hand to bluff in position I don't necessarily want to you know just be potting it at every street I'm also thinking about like the effective stack and making sure that if I need to like double or triple barrel I have enough behind that I can do so effectively so I bet 85, the reg quickly calls, and the action player quickly calls.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, <laughs> I like the sizing since uh, I think in this spot we need a bet size that the action player will, or not the action player, that the reg would consider folding a one pair hand or at least like yes. think that we would use that sizing with a set.
1: Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I think, I think a, a pot in position here looks a little bit bluffier. To the reg, specifically. I don't think the action player is really thinking about that so much. But
0: okay, at least. yeah, perhaps. Although I think a half-pot bet would be a mistake here. Whereas in a situation where we thought that both players were likely to have more sort of whiffs, then I would prefer a half-pot bet. Yes. Since getting anything to fold with half-pot bet with our holding is pretty much a victory. Like yep. Any hand has the, the right equity to call, basically.
1: Yeah, and if and if the reg bet a half-pot and it was to us in position, we would have enough equity to call.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. uh,
1: um, Yeah, so they both call, so now we have $355 going into the turn, and the turn's a really interesting card. The turn is the three of diamonds. So the flop was the jack of diamonds, six of diamonds, three of hearts. The turn is the three of diamonds. Uh, So flushes came in, which I think it's very likely one of them has, but fairly unlikely one of them has the, the nut flush draw. And, you know, sets and, you know, two pairs just boated up. And I think this is... And so, yeah, they both fairly quickly check again. I think this is a good card to kind of set up a triple barrel. I think the action player definitely has bottom two pair in his range, but I think I can discount it based on the physical read on the flop, as well as discounted on the fact that he didn't just bet out on the flop or the turn just based on his previous play, when he has kind of these vulnerable hands or decent hands or hands he thinks are decent that are vulnerable. Uh, I've seen him twice kind of bet out with them. I think the reg, when he raises, has no sets of sixes or threes in his range. And I think he's much more likely to bet his top sets. Uh, And if he checks, uh, is more likely to check raise than to check call. So I think this is an example of where i have many full houses in my range i have combos with six three i have uh you know sets of sixes and sets of jacks and i have nut flush draws and nut flushes in my range and both of these players have very few so basically i'm my attitude here was okay these players are capped and in plo people overfold kind of bluff catchers, just because often people just have it in this game when they're betting large so with about, how much we have left now? We've got 540 left. My attitude was basically like, okay, I want to bet kind of small on this street to then set up a pot or near pot size shove on the turn. Uh, I think it also has the, the value of once, if I bet just like 100, 125 here, I think it's very likely that one of them will call with some flush and like very likely they'll fold to that bigger bet on the river where you are maybe not so much thinking about oh, it's basically half pot, they're thinking, like, this is $350 and I have a bad flush on a board.
0: So, I really like putting in a second barrel, but I'm not seeing this as much as a triple barrel spot. I think to to make a good triple barrel here, we need to be pretty confident we can get flushes to fold. Yeah. And I think it's possible. I think it's definitely possible that we could get the reg to fold some flushes. But I think the reg is a lot more likely to have hands that will fold to a barrel right here, like Uh the pairs we talked about, and I think a lot of those hands will just fold now, and when he continues, like, he's a lot likely to have something much stronger than that, and, you know, if he does have something much stronger than that, then it's not impossible that he would call down. And I think if the action player calls again, he's pretty likely to have a flush, Yes. And I don't I w- I don't want to triple barrel him off a of flush. Like so I would be thinking double barrel here because I think you're more likely to get called by the action player. Like I think the reg is going to have a lot of hands that are just going to fold here. And if we yeah. don't take it down, I'm probably shutting down. And because I have okay. that mentality, I would probably bet larger.
1: Bet larger, yeah. But probably not too large because you know, a full house realistically doesn't have that much interest in betting super large against a flush, probably something like 250 mm-hmm. maybe. Or would you I think you're. I think you're getting a little
0: too sophisticated here. Uh, yeah,
1: especially against the action player.
0: Yeah, I think. I think mainly we just we just want to make sure that like, one pair hands fold. And I would just bet, like, what's the sizing that the action player is going to look at, like, Ace Jack or maybe even Jack Six, and be like, uh, no.
1: Well, that's what I kind of thought about 125. And let me clarify what I meant in terms of the double barrel. Like, I so I ended up betting 125 and. The attitude was that if I'm called by both players, I'm shutting down, but that 125 would kind of leverage the stacks enough such that all one pair of hands would fold for both players.
0: Yeah. I just don't think like,
1: and then like the if problem... the action player calls, I'm completely shutting down. And if the reg calls, I'm firing the, the third barrel.
0: That's the problem. I think that's the problem though, about if the reg, I think you want to make a bet where you can be really confident about shutting it down when the action player calls. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, yeah, th- what I, would I really what suck mean. is if you bet 115, the river bricked and you lost to like Ace jack. you know
1: that would that would definitely suck. yeah, so in retrospect, and it, maybe I'm being a little results oriented here, but I'm I think I'm agreeing with you maybe just bet closer to 300 and just hope they fold. I bet 125, the reg quickly called, and the other guy folded pretty quickly. And you know, I th- I think here he just has like a king or queen high flush a ton, mm-hmm. and the river bricked, and with about eight hundred in the pot, I bet I bet uh you know about four hundred, and he tanks for two minutes and calls, and what I found out right after the fact, literally as I was going to the bathroom right after the hand and to voice memo it for the podcast, I ran into. Uh, so kind of a newer regular on the scene, and he's like, "Oh yeah, that guy likes to hero a lot," and I'm like, "Oh, good to know." Keep keep yeah. that in mind next time I play him. But I th- I think you I think you're definitely right. Where it's like, even if this is a more straightforward reg, you know, he's getting he's getting a uh, three to one in kind of an outsider spot. That being said, it's really rare that like people are going to barrel off here in PLO when like flushes and, and boats come in. But also, you know, maybe he thought I was the type to do so. And, like, it doesn't take that much sophistication to justify calling a half-pot bet. And I think, in retrospect, just betting larger would have gotten his... Uh, it was either a king or queen high flush. He had kind of a hand that I thought would be likely, which is the uh, the the ace-king-jack-x with uh, diamonds. Okay, so I guess right. it was king-x. Yeah, king high.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't think, like, the river barrel is a disaster or anything. Like, because you, you're giving up when you check back. So it's like doesn't need to work yeah. that much
1: it might it, still also be plus ev mm-hmm. for me to do the river barrel and just more plus ev to bet the turn you know i'm not necessarily like when i bet half yeah the time on the river he only needs to fold uh more than one third of the time for this to be profitable and he tank called so i, I don't think you know it's out of the question that he folds 40 50 percent of the time theor kind of theoretically right to make the call then. right
0: i mean this this player might not be folding enough, but like you didn't know, yeah. but like yeah, a, I mean the sorry, unknown I version think... of this player, right? Yeah, we're on the yeah, same yeah, page. Yeah. Yeah. I so yeah. I once you get to the spot, I definitely don't mind ripping it. I just yeah. think that yeah, on the turn, like it might be, I yeah, I think the larger sizing of the turn is going to be best. Uh, yeah,
1: and I'm 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 inclined to agree. Uh, and I guess it was a little bit of just kind of fancy play syndrome thinking that like you know. I bet in position on the flop into two people, and then if my boat really came in, like, what interest do I have in betting that large? And if even if I have enough flush draw, am I really betting that large when the board pairs? Uh, and that, like, might be valid, but it might be, like, the reg thinks that, but then just kind of emotionally, even if he's a somewhat of a, you know, a thinking player, which he clearly is, that 300 might just be, like, well, for that sizing, he probably has it, you know? Right. Because I, I thought that way too, you know, it's like I, I I can I can be in his spot and not know this other player that might look good and capable, but I don't kind of know much about them, and then just kind of see that large sizing and be like, well, you know, people generally have it in PLO, so I'm not going to mess around with this larger sizing, where then I call the turn, and then after thinking about it a lot on the river, I, I, you know, would make the tank call in the same spot, so.
0: Yeah, also, like, the other thing about the turn, or pinning large on the turn, is that that player has to worry about not just you but the player behind
1: yeah yeah i think the action player just is so capped here you know so that like if the reg if the reg folds maybe like takes 30 seconds or a minute to fold you know like i mean this action player is like he's the type who's like basically calling everything pre-flop for a raise uh limping everything calling like 60 to 80% of those limps, regardless of the race size and calling a lot of flops. If he hits a piece, but he also had a lot of like, look at his cards for 20 seconds on the river and like fold to a big bet, you know? So he, he I, I, I up to that point didn't see him losing any money, like calling any big bets in the river. I saw him like betting quickly and aggressively when it looked like he had big hands and losing a lot of money, just like calling pre and calling on the flop.
0: Yeah, no, I just mean like if, uh, if the reg has like a queen high flush,
1: mm-hmm.
0: then I think he has to seriously like worry about if he calls, or about uh, I mean being frankly, beat by I, yeah the other player.
1: In his spot with a king high flush, I probably would fold for to one hundred to one hundred
0: fifteen,
1: hundred yeah one hundred twenty five. But yeah, with the action player behind me and this guy betting on a paired board, you know,
0: yeah, you but with
1: PLO man, they always have it.
0: But with the jack in your hand?
1: Yeah, yeah. I guess he does have the blocker for that. I'm probably calling one with 125. Yeah, I'm, I'm you know, yeah, even more convinced of that 300-ish sizing.
0: Also, you you always sort of brag about your maniacal image. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't have
1: a Yeah. May, I, I guess you're right. I guess there's also, like... This guy's I played with playing, you before. You're right, you're right. It's it's just been a while. I didn't know how much you remembered me, but...
0: Mm, maybe not. Apparently. Yeah, apparently maybe not.
1: some. But I, you know, I have a, I'm sporting a, a pretty big beard these days.
0: It's also like there's definitely the, I mean, you might have folded because you're not going to be as much victim to this. But there's also like the, I check called because I had top hair and a flush draw, and then I hit my flush. Like,
1: I exactly. really
0: folding like to like a third pot.
1: Yep, and uh, yeah, I, th- I think you're totally right, and you're right. There's something I I do usually consider a lot more like in Hold'em is just how the lack of fold equity I have just kind of because of the way I conduct myself in image, not even kind of, even before I'm V-pipping anything. Uh, but I happen to be, have been playing very tight for the first 40 minutes. But again, mm-hmm. you know, I'm aware of that. How much is he aware of that, you know?
0: Yeah. I think, yeah, well, this was a good hand. This was a good hand to discuss. Uh Yeah. I think if anything, you probably just haven't been playing at enough like lower stakes, and yeah, you're getting too, you're putting too much thought, I think, into like balance, and choosing a sizing that you would like choose with your value hands uh, for your bluffs.
1: Yeah, I think you're. I think you're totally, totally right. Uh, the last time I played PLO was in like I think mid July. This is also, you know, just a little bit of rustiness for the peculiarities of this game and the stake.
0: Right. It is a very peculiar game. <laughs> well, I just say that since, like, people play a really, like, somewhat predictable but very perverse, like, strategy in this game.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, it doesn't make much sense, but it's also very predictable. But there's still so much that can happen since there's just so many, like, hands that you can start out with. Yeah, You yeah. kind of know what people are going to do with what hands. Or you can, like, make a pretty good guess but it does that doesn't make it easy you know or at least to make the the absolute best decision all right uh well welcome back to the PLO table enjoy your the rest of your time in cleveland uh
1: thank you oh and for all of you that made it this far uh check out the podcast breakdown for this week uh i will be doing uh some work using a software called poker juice which is a really, really great software for analyzing PLO hands. Uh, I used to use this a lot more when I was kind of primarily playing PLO uh, back when I was living in Cleveland and Oberlin. Uh, and I'm excited to kind of really dive into it in a serious way for the first time in, in some months. And uh, yeah, any feedback on the breakdown and on this PLO is, is much appreciated. Jack and I are definitely considering kind of the, the balance between No Limit and PLO because we we still very much love No Limit and that's both of our preferred games. But more and more people are playing PLO and I think that's where the biggest edge can be had when playing live low stakes poker. So uh we don't we don't wanna leave leave all of you hanging uh that are trying to push those edges in PLO.
0: Yeah, definitely. To find out exactly when those breakdowns are gonna drop, uh the best place to find out is following our Twitter account, uh which is at just hands poker. Alright guys. See you next week.